0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Jason with Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW's TV show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network.
1: Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by flinthillsauto.com. I am Tim Fitzgerald of gopyrocat.com. Yep, that's me. (laughs) And the man to my right is Scott Chasen of fog.net. So Mr. Fancy Pants, how's it feel covering a winning basketball team?
0: Uh, It's uh, the exact opposite of covering a losing football team.
1: That's a good point. You can interact with us on social media at Facebook.com slash The Drive Show, on Twitter at TheDrive13, and of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions over at TheDriveShow.com. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, you can listen to an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both GoPowerCat and Fog.net. We start things off with our two-minute drill two-minute drill is sponsored by hula hands they've been expecting you now let's eat marcus garrett set a career high with 24 points in a blowout win over oklahoma on saturday scott was there more to like about his offense or his defense against the sooners
0: it feels insane to say that in a game where a player scored 24 points a career high hit six threes which doubled his career high seven assists, which not a career high, but a pretty good performance considering he only had one turnover that I would still say I came away, uh, I mean, more impressed with what he did on the defensive end. It was the second straight game where he completely turned a contest around uh, just by what you saw there, stealing the ball, knocking it away, a pickpocket, whatever, you know, the term you want to call it. Garrett gets steals running through passing lanes when he takes a gamble on a ball, but that's not how he's getting these steals. What's happening is the offensive player is dribbling in front of him and he's knocking it. He's just taking it away. He's knocking it down the court, going and getting it. There was a sequence in this game. I believe KU was down one. Garrett got back to back steals. KU ended up a minute later or so being up five. Brady Manick, the man Garrett was guarding the next possession just went to the corner and stood there by himself and we talked to Garrett after the game and he said uh, he felt like they stopped going you know toward him they that they wanted to avoid him altogether and Garrett said honestly it felt like he didn't even have to defend in the second half because Oklahoma was just afraid to try him so I look at how Garrett has changed the last two games against West Virginia. KU was down, I believe six points, ends the game on an 18 to three run. Well, in that stretch, Garrett had three steals and four possessions that just completely changed the outlook of the game. He's a transformative defender in a way that KU hasn't had. Like Frank Mason was excellent at those rips in that kind of one-on-one setting. But that would be late game. This was a guy who had to deliver on offense and play 38 minutes and do all these things. Marcus Garrett brings it defensively for 40 minutes. He's the best defender in the conference, and he's up for Naismith, Defensive Player of the Year. I, I think he's got a great shot to
1: Yeah, win. I would agree. What I found interesting about this was there was an Oklahoma assistant coach who did the pregame scout who decided, let's lay off Marcus <laughs> Garrett at the three-point line so he can double down in the post. Yeah, that didn't work out so well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not a terrible strategy, but it was the wrong guy to do it off because Garrett was only shooting something like 29%. He's now shooting 36% from three, and, and that number will come down a little bit, but Garrett's made them before in games. In the meantime, and we'll talk about this a little later, K was a player who's really struggling shooting the ball, who plays a lot of minutes, who might be a little injured right now. That would have been the guy that I backed off.
1: Yeah, that, not not a good game plan.
0: Not at all. Well. Uh, K-State led at halftime and ended up losing 68-57 at TCU on Saturday. Fitz, was this simply more of the same from these Wildcats? Yeah,
1: unfortunately it was more of the same. They did lead in the first half, and uh, we saw Coach Weber kind of shuffle that lineup and go to a little bit different look, Uh, and throughout that first half, he used David Sloan at the point and Cartier Jada at the two-guard position, something I wanted him to do uh, for a good part of the season. And uh, while they've done it at times this season, this was really the first prolonged period where they had those two out there together, and it really worked. K-State looked really good in the final, I don't know how many minutes, 10 minutes of that first half they were behind, and then they just kind of took off, and uh, they they really started to look like a good basketball team for a while. Granted, TCU is not a good basketball team. They were on a six-game losing streak. Uh, But Desmond Bain just lit them up all day long. He hit three-pointer after three-pointer, uh, and then in the second half, uh, it was really about TCU being able to score at will uh, from beyond the arc. They hit 15 threes in this game, and they just simply outscored Kansas State in the second half. And uh, again, this comes back to the, your question, is this more of the same? Yeah, because this K-State team isn't complete. It doesn't have enough tools, doesn't have enough answers. And then when they had a few guys start hitting really deep three-pointers, K-State was just completely knocked off. It doesn't matter if it's this struggling version of K-State or the good one that you saw last year. If you're a team that can stretch the floor by hitting deep three-pointers, you take that defense out of its ability to rotate mm-hmm. and do the things that Bruce Weber does with his defense. Deep three-pointers are, are, is really the, the way to defeat this K-State defense, whether it's a bad team or a good team. And unfortunately for K-State, a struggling TCU team decided to hit a bunch of circus mm-hmm. three-pointers. and. Boy, it was uh, not a good second half for K-State. Yeah, it
0: can definitely change the game. I'll I'll tell you one thing I saw late in this contest because I actually got to catch the second half of this. uh, That was a little disheartening just from my perspective, and I'd be curious to get your thoughts, was just seeing the way that as things started to go wrong, there was a lot of looking toward officials, holding hands out, not getting back, not running back, and, Kind of staying around meandering yeah. on that end young teams that's not just a k-state criticism by any mean young no. teams tend to kind of fall into that trap has that been something that's been a, a case uh, for on
1: occasion but i thought this was team wide we've mm-hmm. seen that from individual guys i thought cardi jada on, on the upside was more involved in the mm-hmm. team picture this game but they're so fragile right now mentally when things start going wrong mm-hmm. they just can't believe they're not getting a call everything they kind of need everything to go their way and nothing really went their way in that second half Kansas and Baylor each won by double figures on Saturday, with Baylor taking a 70-59 victory over an offensively challenged West Virginia team. Scott, which was the more impressive victory?
0: Yeah, you know, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. That was an 11 point win for Baylor against West Virginia. They, they were up 20. I mean, uh-huh. it was an absolute blood. I think they were up by 28 or something like that in the second half. And they were up with, you know, by 20 with like a minute or two left. So, you know, West Virginia continues to play until the end. That's very much a Bob Huggins team. They get a few late garbage time buckets. And now cosmetically, that score looks a lot better. But uh, for Baylor to do w- what it did without Teague, you know, this was a game I thought that Baylor could be in danger of dropping. Obviously, I picked against them in, uh, in the picks last week and. I I was extremely impressed by just how they never let this game even be close to becoming a contest. They never let West Virginia get them to the point where they were starting to feel any pressure. Uh, This was a dominant game, and again, Big 12 teams not being able to win on the road unless they're Kansas or Baylor continues to be a major storyline of this conference. Kansas win was really impressive. It was a 17-point win that, I mean, really for a while looked like, Uh, you know, it was being played at a 20-point margin, and and it was never close, but Baylor really impressed me.
1: Baylor's good, man. They're really good, they have a lot of parts, and missing a player or two doesn't seem to affect them because they've got so many guys that come in off the bench mm-hmm. and play really good basketball. It's a fun team to watch, Kansas is a fun team to watch, and it's not clear to you now, or uh, yet, it should be now, it, this is a two-team conference. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of hard to judge how good those two teams are because for the first time in a long time, the bottom half or the bottom six of this conference, mm-hmm. are those aren't good teams. I wouldn't put any of them in the field unless there was absolutely no one else to mm-hmm. put in the field, which I think will happen. I think there are two really good teams, and then Texas Tech and West Virginia are two okay teams. Yeah. Uh, and then the rest—it's just a mess. But yeah, Baylor and Kansas are just dominating this league.
0: And, and it's funny, even what we've seen from uh, West Virginia, Texas Tech—at times they can lose to anyone, and they can have you know just awful performances. I think both teams have lost to a team ranked in the, the bottom two of the conference. So. Uh, Yeah, it's a two-team conference as much as any conference has ever been.
1: Yeah, it's really amazing to watch the separation. Now a quick look at your poll question results. And poll questions are brought to you by Film and 11, your go fast,
0: look good, play hard custom shop. Well, last week's question was Bill Self picked up his 700th win on Saturday at age 57. So how many wins will he total in his college coaching career? And we look at the results. Uh, a, 700 to 799, getting 10% of the vote. 50% to 900 to 999, 30% a little less than that, 10% a little more than that.
1: What are the chances he ends up at 999? Exactly. Yeah. Would that? I mean, that would be the greatest coaching record you know, overall, and yet you felt like you didn't accomplish enough.
0: <laughs> oh, a hundred percent.
1: Oh my gosh. 99.9. That would be horrible. This week's question is this Baylor is 12 and 0 in Big 12 play. What will the Bears' conference record be after all 18 contests are finished in league play? 18 and 0, 17 and 1, 16 and 2, 15 and 3 or worse. A B C D. Those are your answers. Vote. At TheDriveShow.com. A little
0: bit of a tough stretch coming up for Baylor, so we'll see. But uh, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill. We will be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
1: Welcome back to the drive as we continue our weekly two minute drill and the two minute drill is sponsored by Hula hands. They've been expecting you. Now let's eat. Kansas's big three of Devon Dotson, Yudoko Azebuki and Marcus Garrett combined for 58 points and 30 rebounds and 13 assists against Oklahoma. That's not bad. (laughs) Scott, how good is this trio playing right now and is there actually room for them to get even better?
0: Well, it's kind of crazy to think about. This group of guys, you have two people up for the Naismith Player of the Year in college basketball and another one who's up for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, and that's kind of your building blocks, the pillars with which you know you get to build a team around. But uh, I do think there is some room for improvement with a couple of the guys. You know, Yudoka Asabuki's big growth this year has been doing more, maybe when he's not consistently involved in the offense. He had 17 rebounds uh, against Oklahoma, and that was on a day when he missed six shots, which is uh, obviously atypical for him. He went six for 12 from the field, but really struggled in the first half to deal with all the intention he was getting inside. Uh, so. You know, he has to make those chances count. I I think for him, staying engaged and continuing to do a little bit of everything, uh, I think will go a long way with him. Marcus Garrett, I I think it's just continuing to take open three-point shots. He's not going to make all of them, and it's unfair, uh, you know, to just say, well, he should, you know, make a high percentage of them. because. Now you're just making a perfect basketball player. Well, if he's a great defender, he's a great passer, he's a great rebounder, he's a great ball handler. Well, now let's just have him make threes too. It doesn't really work like that. Uh, But I think taking them when he's open and making the defense respect uh, respect him, I think that's a huge part uh, just of Kansas offensive success moving forward. For Devon Dotson though, and I kind of alluded to this before the break, uh, ever since he got that hip pointer and then again with that right knee strain, uh, strain, his shooting percentages have really tapered off. He's shooting 11% from three over his last three games. The four before that he shot just 20% from three, and the three before that he went one of four, one of four, and one of four. Now I think a lot of that's injury related. This was a guy who shot 36% from three as a freshman, but he's dealing with that injury right now. so. Uh, until that gets fully healed, I expect defenses to do what West Virginia did and completely back off of him and dare him to make it. He, shot, he went 0 of 4 on, on unguarded threes against West Virginia. The one he made was actually contested. It was a difficult shot, so give him credit for that. But uh, there are sort of these little areas that I think those three can each improve.
1: Well, if he gets healthy, that's just going to help them all around. Definitely. That's really, They're fun to watch. you got to have three guys. If you mm-hmm. want to be a great team, you got to have three of them. Three guys that hold up your tent, and they've got it. They really do.
0: Well, Kansas State announced last week that there will be no spring football game. Instead, spring practices will conclude on Friday, April 17th with an open practice. Fitz, is this a good move?
1: My dream has come true. Look, I I think spring football games are something of the past. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a dated construct of, you know, you don't have anything going on, so let's all show up at the stadium. It's still good for the Nebraskas and the Alabamas and whomever else might draw you know, a stadium full of fans for a spring game. But you really don't see much. The coaches don't want to show much. There's rarely enough players on both sides of the ball to really have a competitive game. I guess a program like Alabama might have that kind of numbers. But with, with the way college football is set up now at 85 scholarships, when you got guys injured, guys have off-season surgeries, you run out of players real quick, and particularly you can run out of like offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. You'd have to have 10 good offensive linemen to have a spring game. It's gotten really challenging for some programs, and Chris Kleiman coming out of the FCS level, where you don't have spring games. You don't want that, you know, you, you don't expect people to show up in the spring for, a a practice a glorified practice that's all this has ever been you get 15 practices in the spring and you use one on a spring game and coaches for a long time have said including bill snyder that you would want to get more out of that game or out of that practice by not having a game but the game seemed to be important well crowds have diminished at places like kansas state where it isn't that important. And I'd argue that 80% of the people in the stands are there out of sort of an obligation, out of a chance to see a glimpse of the team and really not passionate about going. I can't imagine anyone's that upset, Scott. Mm -hmm. But we don't have a spring game where I can see a bunch of guys play, a lot of them will be injured, not play, and someone will be a star that won't do a darn thing in the fall. It happens every time. Yeah,
0: it's, I mean, certainly in Lawrence, I think last year you saw it become more of a recruiting event than, you know, being about the game itself. I mean, uh, they brought in Rick Ross to perform at the event. I mean, that was the high, that was what everyone remembered, that was what everyone thought about. They they hosted, you know, dozens of recruits and, and did that. So. Yeah, I think taking away the game and and still having a practice for fans to see. I I don't expect there to be too much.
1: I have long thought this was a good idea, and Mm -hmm. I'm glad Chris Kleiman's done it. But they will have that open practice on Friday, April 17th, where fans can get their final Mm -hmm. glimpse. And now we step out of bounds.
0: Well, the all new XFL debuted last weekend as yet another league. It tries to capture the interest of football fans. After two weeks of actions, uh, action fits. Does it, look, does it look as if the XFL has a shot at survival? I'm surprised, Scott, but yes people are into this. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did a few things
1: right. One, uh, they started their first weekend of games the week after the Super Bowl. Mm, I they agree. dove right in. People were still passionate about football, still had football on the brain, and they jumped in. And, and they're in this day of uh, social media. They're doing a great job on that front. They're capturing the imagination of younger fans. Uh, bright colors. Easy team logos, easy team uh, monikers, or you know nicknames. Uh, you know, it's just they've done a great job with it. They went out and got a bunch of name brand head coaches like Bob Stoops in Dallas. They've done a good job, and they've proven that uh, football is indeed football, even if these guys aren't good enough to play in the NFL. They can play a fun brand of football. And that's what they put on the field. There's only eight teams. It's mm-hmm. easy to pick your team right now. Uh, and it's run by a guy who kind of knows what he is doing in the entertainment business, Vince McMahon of WWE fame. Uh, it's been brilliantly executed. Uh, they've already sold more tickets than I can't remember the other league that failed the last AAF. year. Yeah, they They've mm-hmm. already sold more tickets in the first week than they did the whole s- season before they went under. They've got something going here.
0: Yeah, I, I think they do, and I think, at least for me watching, because I checked out that first weekend, a lot of the rule changes are very cool. I love the two-minute timing rule where uh, you basically get a breather. If, if you're you know, tackled in bounds, the, the play clock doesn't run until five seconds after the ball is spotted, So, or the game clock, excuse me. So it, it creates you know, this energy, this chance at a comeback. You can go for three after a touchdown, uh, which is difficult. You're going from the 10-yard line, but uh, I like some of those rule changes. I also like the action access and the interviews, getting yeah. to hear play calls that Everyone's first week was mic'd. awesome.
1: Everyone's mic there. officials are mic'd. When the officials go to meet for a review, yeah. they're
0: mic'd. That, that to me too, the officials part of it, uh, that is my fa- one of my favorite parts of watching it, just that access. I think you learn a lot watching those games.
1: It turns out the officials aren't actually saying, hey, let's, let's give it to this team. Let's, <laughs> let's, I like this team better. They yeah. don't actually
0: don't say that. Not quite. Well, know. now let's hear from the fans and our fan question this week is? Is it possible that K-State would fire Bruce Weber after this season? That's from Matthew in Topeka.
1: The shortest answer in the history of the drive is no. That's not gonna happen. I mean, I know fans are beginning to grumble about this season because it is on track to possibly be the worst season in modern Kansas State Mm -hmm. basketball. Hard to believe they've gone from a Big 12 championship to not just a season of rebuilding, but of just kind of collapse. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure they're gonna win another game this season. They've they've had three straight games, teams they could beat. Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and TCU, and they've lost. Mm-hmm. They go to Texas Tech, and then they come home next Saturday for Texas. That might be one of their last hurrahs. I mean, they do have Iowa State coming in, but uh, no, folks, there's not gonna be a change in coaching, nor should they. Uh, When you've got a great recruiting class coming in, that means, though, next season becomes really huge for this coaching staff.
0: Yeah. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive.
1: Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show, and now it's time to take a look at our predictions, and the predictions are brought to you by Vanderbilt, your work boot center, and remember to make your weekly predictions over at thedriveshow.com. Here are last week's results. Feast your eyes, (laughs) feast them, as I have finally awakened, and the fans are still leading. Mm -hmm. And Scott, let's not talk about it. Yeah. You've now taken my role as stinky predictor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this week's picks start with Oklahoma at Oklahoma State, Bedlam
0: basketball, pick them. Home teams have always won. I'm going to take Oklahoma, though, on the road. I, I, I can't pick Oklahoma State here. Oklahoma
1: State is on fire. They've won two in a row. They have left K-State in the dungeon <laughs> by themselves in the conference standings. You taking them? Taking Mike Boynton's boys are going to win this
0: one. All righty. I'm excited. Next is Texas at K-State fits. And also I'll pick them. I'll take the Cats. I am also taking them. I'm not going what? with two road teams uh, or three, I guess, this time wow. around. Wow. And our last game of the week
1: is a biggie. Next Saturday, Kansas plus one and a half at
0: Baylor. where the Bears win by two or more? You pick first. Baylor. Uh, I was thinking of taking Baylor if you went Kansas. I'll take Kansas, but the Bears could certainly get it done. It's
1: gonna be a good week of basketball. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be. I'm actually, as a (laughs) K-State guy that covers K-State, I'm actually hopeful they're gonna win a game. Again, make your picks over at TheDriveShow.com. And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One by Local for a strong local community. And we're gonna start with Scott Chasen, who's gonna set The carpet on fire. You're so fired up for this. Yeah, well,
0: look, I, I, like a lot of you, have been following the Houston Astros uh, scandal. The the cheating, you know, I I would consider it one of the biggest scandals in the history of American sports. It cost a team. The Dodgers, multiple World Series, i have been extremely disappointed by the penalties handed out and even more so by the flippant attitude that the Astros have carried through all of this, whether it's lying, creating, and spinning stories, the ridiculous thing you've heard about, you know, Altuve's tattoo or why he didn't want to take his shirt off and uh, what the owner of the Astros said that it didn't affect the game. Look, if I were in charge of this, I I would be embarrassed. I I would be pretty fed up and I would want to make a statement. I would strip the MVP from Altuve. I would give it to Judge or whoever else. Uh, That's a word that's handed out uh, retroactively anyway, so I'd have no problem retroactively giving it to someone else. I would strip every statistic from the record book of those seasons. I would take away the World Series titles, uh, even though I think sometimes it's You know, it can be kind of a joke to do that, but uh, clearly it means something to Houston, and I think year-long and lifetime bans are in order. This is a major cheating scandal in American sports, and it really devalues a World Series when you just let it stand.
1: Poor Pete Rose. I mean, the guy didn't do anything affect the outcome of a game, and he's banned for life, and we have this. Well, I don't have much to say this week. K-State basketball isn't good. K-State football is not having a spring game and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and the Royals are coming up. That's it. That's it for this week's edition of Drive. We'll see you next week right here and all week on social media.